This Restoration Today podcast is presented by KnowHow. KnowHow helps growing restoration companies standardize their operations so they can scale faster and more profitably without the chaos. As a leading process communication platform, KnowHow's mission is to help restoration companies unlock the full potential of their workforce. For more information, visit TryKnowHow.com. Welcome to a fresh episode of the Restoration Today podcast. Hey, if you're liking what you hear, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. Hello there. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Restoration Today podcast. Today, I am very excited to be joined by two gentlemen who are big in the business development world in restoration. They know a lot about sales and developing your restoration business. They're part of a company that's big and growing and acquiring more companies. So I'm very excited to be joined by Andy Holt and Dan Flanagan, both from Blue Sky. I'm going to toss it right over to them before we get into the conversation. Dan, can you um, introduce yourself? Tell us your role in Blue Sky. And then Andy, it'll be over to you. Yeah, uh, thank you so much, Michelle. And uh, um, appreciate being part of this this morning. Appreciate the opportunity. Um, my role at Blue Sky, I get to lead the sales organization. I'm the chief sales officer and I've been a part of the organization for 15 years. I've been in the restoration industry for uh, right at 20 years. And prior to that, I had some uh, background for five years as an independent adjuster. So I, I got to travel the country and do a, a lot of uh, large catastrophe work and, and really gain an understanding of the industry uh, through the, the insurance side as well. And uh, prior to that, had had a uh, fair amount of sales leadership experience. So it was a good mix for me to join Blue Sky 15 years ago as, as our founder was just two years into getting, getting this off the ground and have been with the company ever since. It's been a tremendous <clears throat> opportunity and and uh, I guess uh, experience for me to to be able to be with it from almost uh, you know ground zero through to, to where we are today. So it's it's been awesome. It's it's been allowed allowed us to to grow a lot of people and and grow a company at the same time. So perfect. All right. And Andy, business development manager, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background with Blue Sky and in the industry? Yeah, absolutely. And. And uh, like Dan, thank you so much for having us. This is awesome. Uh, you know, I have missed so much seeing my friends in the industry and being out and about. So seeing face-to-face through Zoom, that's about as uh, uh, the best second option you can have. So thanks thanks for doing this and setting this up. Um, I am Andy Holt. I'm a business development manager at Blue Sky. I am officed from our Memphis location. Um Gosh, it's crazy to say, but it's coming up on six years that I've been with the company now, and I'm sure we'll get into kind of the details of, of what that looks like with uh, the mergers and acquisitions and all the things going on in the industry right now. But I've been doing this for about six years. Um, prior to coming on at Blue Sky, you know, have worn several different hats in the sales space um, for a short while, about two years or so. I did work for a local environmental consulting firm, so I had experience with lead-based paint, asbestos. Um, mold assessments, things of that nature, which at the time had no idea that would parlay so well into what I'm doing now in the restoration space. But yeah, that's kind of the uh, a quick minute rundown on me and kind of my background and how it all ties into what I'm getting to do today at Blue Sky. Okay. All right. So which one of you wants to tell the Blue Sky story? I'm curious, like the, the roots of it and then how, I guess we can, and then we'll go into where it's at today, but what are the roots of Blue Sky? Yeah, I'll share that. And I think Andy can add some things to that too. Um, it's, it's been a fun story. We were founded in 2004 by kind of an industry, uh, young industry veteran at that time, but founded in 2004. And 
And between, you know, 2004 and 2008, well, we were founded in, in the Denver, Colorado area. And uh, with some just some some great relationships and great people at the founding and then adding to that team uh, shortly thereafter in the next couple of years, we really formed a really good team and and really the goals weren't, weren't clear at that point. We just said, we want to go be the best we can be wherever we are. And at that point it was Denver. And then a couple of years later, we said, let's fill in our backyard. And so we put uh, three other offices in Colorado to give us four offices in Colorado. And in, in, in a four or five year period, we became one of the largest restoration companies in Colorado, kind of the Rocky Mountain region. And at that point we started looking around and we said, we're having a blast. We got great culture. And the founder said, we got a lot of good talent on this team because we really did go get talent both inside the industry and outside the industry. At that time, the construction industry was doing some things that that allowed us to really get some talent uh, that really rounded out the entire part of being a restoration business, not just uh, maybe a, a myopic look at it. And so we said, we started the vision, hey, we want to be a national company. And so um, with that, we started other organic offices throughout the country. We had uh, nine or 10 offices. And uh, over the next six years, we did that. And, and probably the biggest thing that drove us is the culture. The culture, um, and at, at first, that wasn't even the goal. We just were having a lot of fun with great people. And we said, we got something special here. So the culture really carried us through those, you know, plenty of growing pains as, as you, as you yeah. try to tackle that, that national vision, especially organically. And so um, that, that carried us uh, through the next six years. And then 2015 was was uh, really, really good for us because we, we'd grown to a point where it was aggressive growth. We weren't top five in the, in the nation yet, but we were uh, starting to get on the national scene. And we said, it's gonna be really hard to keep growing without some partners to help us do it. And, and so we've had great experiences with private equity uh, firms. There's been uh, two private equity firms that we've had wonderful experiences with. They let us run our business but they also gave us some, some uh, structure, some expertise on growing and, and some resources to do that. And so um, we said, what, what does it take to get to the next level? And so that was all about keeping your people, obviously, keeping the culture fun, but building an infrastructure. We built some infrastructure at Blue Sky that we think is uh, uh, really no, no patent on it, but we've, we've done some really unique things innovatively uh, to, to do that from a, a pro professional approach to customer service to developing uh, what, I, what we really think is a unique estimating process in the restoration business as you get into uh, the, the larger loss and commercial side of the, the industry. We've, we've done some neat things there with uh, the estimating process, developing a national team that really has focus. And, and, uh, but one of the biggest things we've done is we've built the entire company to make people successful. And what I mean by that is, is uh, we, we are a corporate, we have a corporate entity, but everything, everything goes through the offices. Our people get credit for, for everything through the offices uh, for what they do. And we've made so many, so many successful people, not just at the higher levels, but, but throughout the entire organization. So when you do that, you're, you're allow, you allow yourself to, to keep the culture and retain awesome people. And so, um, but we've also looked at both the inside and the outside of the industry as, as we've looked at best practices and Andy can probably share a little bit about that in a minute. The best practices as you build any or any business, um, they, they, as you get to a certain point of growth, that's, it's so paramount. And uh, we've done that with both construction best practices, again, not just, not just inside restoration, definitely you know, restoration science, but also the wider construction industry. And then also the sales process. Um, we have some incredible sales leaders that they get to work with me across the country that, 
that uh, we really uh, we champion a great sales process. And so over the last uh, five, six years, that's part of the story is building that infrastructure uh, uh, so, so, so many more people can win uh, at the office and field level. And Andy, I was going to let Andy share a little bit. He's, he's part of a team that joined us uh, two and a half, three years ago and from an incredibly well-branded and well-run company and, and maybe share a little bit about that too. Yeah, no, I'd be glad to. Heck, Michelle, I think that's where our roots initially crossed path many years ago. Yep. As you know, and, and Dan alluded to, you know, I was part of Sharp Robinson Popwell, yep. uh, which then evolved into uh, Outfit by dropping the names and we became SRP contractors. And so we, you know, had the good fortune merging with um, Blue Sky. It's, I guess that was January of 2020, give or take, something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy to think how how quickly time has shifted. And then you sprinkle a little COVID-19 and all that came with that. It's like, boom, two years just flew Ooh. by. But yep. um, yeah, you know, joining with Blue Sky, which is such a well-established, well-respected powerhouse of a national company and, and getting to kind of get into the fold with them from a company that in the Southeast predominantly, as you know, SRP was headquartered in Memphis. We had a presence in 16 states and, and we worked in our little area, but to go from that regional presence to now being tied in with a true national provider and the opportunities that came with that for us to be able to service clients and partners coast to coast has been nothing but exciting. Um, you know, Dan, he touched on it and I know he's got more experience than I do, but there's a lot of growing pains that comes with that and things that have to be fleshed out. And when you're ironing out, those processes and the things that are so near and dear to blue sky. And I believe tied directly to the successes that we've had as a company. Um, you know, it's all positive momentum. So, you know, uh, we, we have not been uh, the last, there's been other companies that have come into the fold and I'm sure that there's more to come. And uh, it's, it's, for me, it's exciting um, because the opportunity allows me is now an employee of blue sky, the position it puts me in to take care of my clients on a much larger scale um, and just the, the, the difference for me of being with the company that 50, 60 people to now a company with eight, 900 people. And these are people that I know personally to have colleagues and, you know, 35 plus offices scattered across the country, colleagues of mine. I know these people, these aren't just random people on a ticket that there's familiarity with name. These are people that I can pick up the phone and bounce ideas off. Um, these are people that I can I can go to that are maybe a little bit further in their career and say, how did you navigate this? How, you know, what would I do in this scenario? And it's a beautiful blend of teamwork. Um, there's definitely a culture of iron sharpening iron at Blue Sky, and I love that. Um, so good things on the horizon. I don't want to get off on a tangent because I could talk about this forever. I'm so passionately excited about about it and, the, uh, the, you know, the position that I'm in, the things I get to do at Blue Sky. So. I don't know if I answered your question or not, Dan, but that, that's my two cents on it. No, and I just add to that, Andy, what's, what's really neat about partnering with, with the great firms we have is, uh, Michelle, most of them, the previous owners stay on in a, in a, in a, in a very uh, great leadership role or a different leadership role where they bring expertise and we're developing and redeveloping your best practices as businesses do every few years. Um, our previous owners are a huge part of that in their teams because we partnered with them for a reason because they're really good. They have great things, great people, and uh, and we don't know it all, but it's fun to to bring the expertise of so many to us because uh, it just makes us so much better. 
So what do you two attribute the good culture to? That's hard as a company's growing, you have more offices and you're bringing in other companies with different cultures. And I'm sure that you're assessing those companies to make sure that they're a cultural fit as well, not just a whatever, but how, what do you attribute the good culture to? How do you make sure that that's good across the board for your different offices and different teams? Yeah, we, we, a couple of things we gather at blue sky. We gather, we are, and we fully integrate Michelle too. And there's different models of, of how people kind of partner with companies in different industries. If you don't fully integrate from we call brand, mind brand, everything you, you you're, it's going to be harder to keep that culture and it isn't easy. It's a focus. And we have, we have initiatives every year, just like you do on different types of technical parts of your business and not numerical parts of your business. We have, we have initiatives every year about what are we doing for culture? How are we impacting culture this quarter? This, and, and so our operations teams get together, our sales teams get together regionally, nationally. And we, it's, it's a big investment, but um, that's a big part of it. Plus the day in, the weekend and week out focus on it at the office level. And, and maybe Andy can speak a little bit to that too. Yeah, yeah I'm curious I mean, what it's, yeah, like on the side to be integrated in, yes. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's a lot. And, and I had, during my integration phase, you know, it was, we get the news, we get the announcement, it's all the excitement that comes with that. And as we're just kind of getting off the ground with the blending of processes and learning new teammates and learning the different nuances, boom, here comes COVID-19. So, and all the challenges and things that came with that. Now everybody's working from the house and people that we were so excited to meet and get to interact with face-to-face -face for the first time. Those travel plans go by the wayside because we're not leaving our houses, much less coming into the office and flying around the country. So there, uh, it was a slow, it was a slow um, kind of integration. I don't think it was what anybody planned, but it was awesome in its own special little way uh, because we got to spend so much time getting to know people by way of Zoom calls. Um, I don't know if I should admit this that, or not, but I don't know that I ever did a Zoom call prior to COVID-19. And now I'm, you know, almost at the beginner level. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of patience to be had, I think, on both sides and everybody involved. For anybody, you know, speaking outside of even Blue Sky, you take companies that are as big and are as kind of freestanding as they were. And you expect them to just come together and have uh, a perfect seamless transition. That's not, that's not realistic. Um, and I think that we came into this knowing there's going to be some growing pains. There's going to be some things that we're going to be able, we're going to have to kind of bend with and, and let organically develop within the framework of where we know that we want to go. And so now thinking 18 months down the line, we've done all those things. Mm -hmm. Not to say it's been a perfect, easy you know, shift into what is now the driving forces and processes and procedures of Blue Sky, but we're there. And I think we've hit that vision that ultimately we had planned out originally. Mm -hmm. um, and then through those kind of growing pain seasons, all that did was make us stronger. So it, uh, th there's been a lot of change. There's been a lot of growth, uh, but it's all been to the good from the seat that I'm sitting in and kind of what I've seen and what I've been able to experience participate in. Okay. So as blue sky continues to grow and you have, you know, you have PE backing and you've made some recent acquisitions, what are you looking for in companies? What makes a company attractive to blue sky or maybe every restoration company is different. That's making you know, buying companies, but what are things that make a company attractive to blue sky? You know, the, the biggest things are the, are the culture and the people. Um, there's been, there's been several out there that we just want to fit on. Sometimes it's even like the customer. Sometimes there's a yeah. fit. Sometimes there's not. Hopefully most of the time there's a fit because we need customers. But, but from a, 
a standpoint of what, what is the most attractive uh, partnership, it really is the culture and the people. And we spend a lot of time uh, vetting that out um, in the diligence as we do anything else, probably more time. And, uh, and, and we're, we're thankful that um, what, what's really neat too, Michelle, is when you, when you have, I think we've, it's the, we partnered with six companies in the last uh, five years. So it's not a crazy pace, but we partnered with six companies the last five years. Um, all but one, the ownership, previous ownership is still very involved in the business. They didn't go to a beach somewhere and uh, they're very involved with the business in a leadership position. Their people have grown, um, but, but we partner best with people that, that really, they care about their people. They care about the, the trajectory of their people after they decide to uh, be part of Blue Sky. And so if, if that's not there, we, a lot of times we know there will be further cultural uh, just, just won't be as good as a fit down the road. And so, um, it also helps if, if they've got a, a, a team of people that are leaders or wanting to be leaders, because, uh, um, as, as that previous owner gets into a new role, we definitely will develop leaders, but, but we, we want them to be able to have some, some people that they've developed that are ready to step in and be, be leaders. Mm-hmm. So, um, kind of in this post-pandemic world and this big M and A landscape, what do you both think it takes to stay competitive as a restoration company, especially, um, you know, when there's like the first on sites or companies like that that are really buying up a lot of people and a lot of consolidation going on? So, how do you stay viable in your markets and across the U.S. when there's so much M and A going on right now? So, Andy, why don't you hit that first there, man? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. Thanks. You know, I can't speak to what anybody else is doing because I don't know, right? Yeah. But I can, from my perspective and, and what I'm looking at, it, it all goes back to relationships, right? So I'm a firm believer that if you take care of your people, if, if you can maintain uh, credibility, if you can maintain being a person of high integrity, it is so crazy to even say this, but if, if, if I, my belief, if you do what you say you're going to do, when you say you're going to do it, you're probably going to have pretty good retention. And that's a, that's a rare thing these days, unfortunately. So I think by being focused on, on the client, on our partners, the people that we work with and just doing what we say we're going to do when we say we're going to do it. uh, That that's a big piece of it right there. Not to give away the secret or the special sauce, but that's my belief anyway. I mean uh, that's how we stay competitive. That's how I stay competitive. Um, You know, above and beyond that, here's another wild idea. Not, not if I make a mistake, but when I make a mistake, Michelle, for me to be able to own that yep. and then quickly correct it, that's a wild idea. But, <laughs> but something so simple, you know, that helps that helps keep the wheels going. Um, and I think, unfortunately, that's a rare thing these days. Um, not in our industry, but just, you know, kind of out in the workforce across the board. I agree. And that we can build better relationships when we're honest, right? Admit our mistakes. And sometimes that yields better yeah. results in the end by admitting, fixing, moving forward. Yeah. I love, I love both of those and keeping your word. That's such a huge thing in today's yeah. world, right? I don't know. Yeah. Word, Michelle, so. I just say, man, big picture, serve your people, serve your customers. And, and we, I, I really think of three kind of concepts there. Number one is professionalism. We've always have strived to be the most professional organization we could be with, with the people we have. And so professionalism is important. Uh, that's doesn't, doesn't, doesn't mean perfection, but it means professionalism in every instance. If you, like Andy said, if you got to own something, you got to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do by a customer, by a job that maybe didn't go as well. We are the first to raise our hand and do that because, because that's, that's your credibility. That's your reputation. Another one is capability. 
uh, to, to serve our customers, like Andy was alluding to throughout uh, greater regions and throughout the country, uh, capability has something to do with growth because you, you've got to be able to, to be there when they need you, right? And then we've been talking about this too, is, is retention. And there's a lot of things that go into, into retention. And, and I think one of the best, if we've done anything right, it's, it's, it's been giving people opportunities within Blue Sky to, to grow and, and to improve their lives and their positions, uh, their income, all those things. And we do that with the partners that join us uh, and, and employees that are with us at, uh, as we go forward. And so, um, and some of that too is, is it's really been a neat, neat uh, growth in an ownership structure at Blue Sky where, uh, again, not at other companies, don't know how, how that's handled, but we, we have a substantial amount of people that have ownership of Blue Sky. And when you create that opportunity and that vision, um, that begets a lot of really neat things from pride, from retention to, to uh, so, so again, it comes back to the people. There's a lot that goes into that. That's a big, nebulous, vague word people and culture, but what do you do behind that as far as those initiatives that, that, that cause those people to want to, to be, be with you? Okay, so talking about the business development and sales side of things, did the pandemic change or improve or bring anything new to your sales process and how you reach customers? Andy was just talking about Zoom and how, you know, pre-pandemic, we were hardly ever on Zoom, if ever. And now it's like, you know, how many days go by without a Zoom call? Not many. So- right. You know, how has your sales process changed, if at all? And has there been new technology that you've added? That would be my other question with that one. Yeah, Andy, yeah, so why don't you kick that one off, and I'll, I'll say a few things, too. Sure, yeah. I think creativity came into play in a major way when you take away from a, a salesperson. You're telling me, okay, now I can't go see people. Now I can't face-to-face -face interact and connect on a human level with people. Uh, that's a huge piece of my job as a salesperson, right? So now it's time to get creative. So sending virtual or sending lunches, doing virtual happy hours, doing trivia nights, um, setting up and learning how to use a webcam. I literally had to order a web. I, this is a world I knew nothing about pre-pandemic. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, grateful to live in a time where this kind of technology is even available, right? Because of course I would rather sit face to face and connect with somebody, but this is a pretty close second. So um, learning how to just quickly adapt, which, that, that comes fairly easy for those, you know, restorers and in, in the space that we're in, being able to adapt and be flexible and kind of think on your feet. Um, that's a skill set I would say most of us have and are, are pretty attuned with. But, um, you know, from a sales side, it's just taking taking it as it comes and being able to kind of just flow with the punches. Um, you know, uh, sorry, I hit a little, I, I just, I got a lot rolling there in my mind. I kind of got myself stalled out, but um yeah, Dan, I mean, Dan, what do you think? Am I am I off base there? Is it uh, what what can you add to that? Well, I would never uh, never not agree with Andy because he's one of our top sales guys year in and year out. Actually, way top sales guys. So, uh, <laughs> well, I wanted to first so I can so I can uh, follow That's up a good on shout something. out. I love yeah. it. but uh, you you know it like like Andy said, it you adjust, you pivot a little bit. Um, but from a process standpoint, you're, you're always making your processes better. But from from, hey, how do we go to market? Who do we go to market with? Where are people focusing? Those things didn't change a ton. Um, we just uh, used a few new tools to, uh, to be able to, to you know, let, us, let us keep doing what we do. I will say this, the creativity of our team, and I'm sure there's many out there too that, that uh, are doing great things, but the creativity that I saw on our team was inspiring. It, it really was because you can, you can get into uh, the pandemic 
that we were in and and it can be it can be challenging it can be negative it can be tough for your people it was tough for our people um when people that are that are extroverted and, and used to seeing many people a week many people a month um you had to work through that you had to work with your team you had to be flexible you had to you lead and manage differently um you, you let them adjust and and uh and I think we did that pretty well. We all learned uh, both on a leadership level and, and the team that's really out there um, you know, integrating with our customers every day. And so, um, you know, big picture, we, we, we had we, we kept similar processes, but we, we definitely had flexibility, developed flexibility. And, and there's a lot, a lot of good that came from it, too, I think, as, as you've probably seen in, in all of our jobs. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, so how does, let's talk about technology in Blue Sky a little bit more. So is there, what kind of technology does Blue Sky use today? Are there some things that came in during the pandemic that you're leveraging more so now? And I'm especially curious on the customer relationship and service side. Are there things that you've brought in that really help build on that customer relationship aspect of the restoration process? Completely. It's a, it is a work in progress. So as you can imagine, bringing these many uh, entities together over the last uh, uh, five years. Uh, so in the last year and a half, we were, that was one of our big initiatives was uh, our accounting system, our CRM, our, our, our uh, field technicians uh, automation uh, of everything they do. So, so yes, we've embraced a ton. Uh, some of it we, we needed to, to uh, get current on and some of it is pretty forward thinking. And, and so in the last couple of years, we've, we've implemented five huge systems across the company. And so um, Andy can raise his hand on that one and say that was, uh, was not perfect. It was a, it was a challenge. It was, uh, it was uh, everything that, that you would expect with that much change. And, but, but in doing that, we, we had the minds and the, the buy-in and the alignment of all of our new partners that joined us because they were part of those committees that got to choose and, and decide what's going to work best for the company that we're becoming. And so, so yes, we, we've changed a ton and, and built a lot around that the last couple of years, major initiative. Yeah. And I think too, I would add to everything Dan said is being spot on, but the blue sky, we haven't mentioned this. It's a, it's a huge believer in education, right? A big piece of what we do and what I get to do on the sales front is engage with my clients by way of, of educational offerings. Um, bringing people in, doing lunch and learns, going to their office, taking a class. And it's great uh, on multiple fronts, but the pandemic kind of put the brakes on that. So we pivoted in a way that um, benefited our customers, but also us internally by way of our education department and having online education that's offered, um, having a team that is able to go around the country and, and kind of take the show on the road, if you will. And, um, you know, it helps us get sharper as a, as a team. It allows us to still engage and interact with our customers. Uh, it allows us to have a little fun in a way that, you know, I don't think any of us ever did before. I mean, if you had the option two years ago to go meet and sit down and do a face-to-face -face class, why would you think about getting together via Zoom meeting to have an education class? Well, when that's the only option, let's do it, make the best of it, and realize, well, this is actually a lot of fun. So that's something that I think uh, – was birthed by way of just circumstances of COVID. And, and it's, uh, you know, it, I see it as something that will continue as just another layer, another tool in our tool belt that we can use to engage, to accommodate an audience that maybe can't for whatever reason be on location for a class. You know, you Skype in a group, you've got a group there, everybody's getting some education and able to interact and, and get some education at the same time. So. 
I never thought I'd be excited about a virtual happy hour, but right. You know, yeah. once you haven't seen people for a while, it's like, I will do anything, anytime to yes. people. <laughs> now, let me ask you, Michelle, did you ever have uh, like a virtual lunch where say you're on camera eating your lunch, watching somebody on camera eat their lunch and it's a virtual lunch? No, I have not. I've only, okay. I've had drinking, which I brought a snack to once and I was like, yes. no, we're not eating. We're just yes. <laughs> drinking. That's it. <laughs> Same idea, just sprinkling a little bit of food. But one of my friends, I have to add this into the conversation for people who are listening, because there are so many ways that you can interact with your customers and clients, right? And so I've had friends who work for like CBS and some other companies, they've had virtual happy hours where they brought in a magician and people actually, you get like a yes. box at home. You're both nodding because you know, you that get like a awesome. box at home and get to yep. go through with the magician. And she's gotten to do a ton of things like that. Like there's yep. so many ways to get creative and yep. still connect with people and one so, of our groups did a dueling piano bar uh, night as well. It was it was really, and I missed it. I didn't even know about it. I was so sad. I'm like, that would have been so fun. <laughs> yeah. That would be fun. <laughs> that would be fun. Um, okay, so kind of on this fun culture bit. So you've both been in the restoration industry, at least for a little while. So obviously there's a huge issue with hiring and getting f- more people, future generations into the industry, making sure that we're well-staffed and stuff like that. So what has kept both of you in the restoration industry? And then what would you tell um, maybe young millennials or Gen Z as they're looking for a career about the opportunities that lie within the restoration industry? Andy, you want to take that one first? I, I will. Yeah, be glad to. So for me, I'm a kind of guy uh, across all facets of my life. I insist on having fun, Michelle. Like if I'm not having a good time, I'm not very interested in, in doing whatever it is that we're even talking about. I, I love my job. I love what I get to do every day. I used to joke that at the end of the day, I'm a professional friend, right? I get out, I meet people, I develop relationships. I learn about them. I learn about the issues that they may be having. I get to tell a little bit about what I do. Uh, you know, and it's a very, um, every day is different, right? Not only is it fun, every day is different. Every day I wake up not knowing what challenges are going to be presented for both me and my customers. And I get to navigate solutions to ultimately help fix their problems. And that's a that's a great place to be in. Um, and I'm privileged to be able to be a solutions provider. Um, so that has kept me engaged. I can also say, you know, for me, and this is this was absolutely true at SRP. And it's just as true today at Blue Sky. I I look up to the people in leadership roles at both companies in a way that uh, it's easy to keep me here, right? These are guys and gals professionally that I aspire to be like, that I believe I can learn from, that I believe just by being alongside them and being able to call these people my teammates, I'm going to develop professionally um, in a very real way. I develop personally, and these are relationships that go so far above and beyond just these are my work people. Right. There is a true sense of family at, at, again, true at SRP and at Blue Sky. Um, It's a core value, just like fun is a core value. These are things that are palpable for me in my day to day life. I come to work. I'm with people that I enjoy, that I love being around. I can promise you I'm having fun every day, Um, you know, and, uh, you know, the cherry on top is I get paid to do this, Michelle. I mean, the joke once upon a time ago was don't even tell them I do this for free. They don't even have to pay me. I'd probably still keep coming because I'm having such a good time, but I get paid to do this. So for me, that's what's kept me here. Uh, I know that was a two-part question. You know, how do we engage the next generation? How do we bring people in? How do we get them excited? You know, and I think that's the million dollar question everybody in this seat's asking themselves because it's no surprise that there's shortages, you know, in the workforce, not just in our industry, but just across the board. Um, 
And I, I think a big part of that, or, or what I have seen anyway, is you raise up the people that are with you and you give them a, a platform to elevate. You give people the opportunity to grow. That's going to, one, get them excited. Two, you're going to retain people. You're going to develop loyalty. And Blue Sky does that in a very successful way. Um, you know, then it just becomes word of mouth. You know, they've got friends and they're going home every day and telling their friends how awesome their job is. And that's attractive. People want to be a part of something that's moving in the right direction. Um, so I think that's way to go. That's one very real way to go about it. You know, the other way is, is you have a team of people that that's what they're dedicated to doing. They're out there, they're looking, they are recruiting, they are intentionally going after the right people um, and trying to set those hooks. And Blue Sky has a fantastic group of people that do that for us. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a slow and steady race. You, you get out there, you just, you keep chipping away at it. You, you're passionate about what you do and you allow a space for people to grow and develop and they're going to stick with you. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I couldn't add much there. The training and development's huge and in, in, at all levels, not just to certain levels. And that's a, become a major initiative. And, and, you know, it's a talent war out there. And, and I think the paradigms, we, we've got to adjust our paradigms too. And I think the industry's doing that. You look at the insurance, you go to these national trade shows, the insurance industry is realizing that there's an experience level that, that they're going to be losing in, in a few years in, in a big way. And there's been universities and trade schools that, that, that are developing programs that are doing things to educate people as a younger uh, younger group, which we need. There, you know, could be a big gap there that we got to get got to get working on. Same way in this industry. A lot of times, you know, historically, um, you know, there's a lot of industry growth, and, and which is great. You need to grow your people, but I also think there are so many positions in in a in a company that um, that can really leverage experiences from outside the industry to get them into the industry, uh, whether they're young young people in construction or or. Uh, people in engineering or, or just so many different ways that there's opportunities in, in this industry, the white industry, maybe not just restoration, but all, all the facets around restoration, uh, just the, changing the paradigm of, of where we recruit and, and why it can fit for people and, uh, and having fun with that. Awesome. Okay. Those were all my questions. Anything else that you two want to add before we wrap it up? I just say thank you so much. It's, it's a pleasure to, uh, to talk with you and, and to, to hopefully be, be part of a greater community here in the restoration and insurance community. Andy, anything yeah, else? I would echo that, certainly. I did have one question, if we've got time, Michelle. What yeah. has life looked like for you? Because I know you are a mover, a shaker. You're out there. You're used to meeting with people, going to the shows. How has you know the last couple of years affected you, and what's it looked like going forward? Um, you know, 2020 was a little slow, but I would say this year picked back up pretty quickly. And so I was able to travel some, you know, there weren't the big nice. shows didn't happen this year until the experience in the fall. But um, for the most part, I've still gotten to talk to people. Zoom has been a huge game changer. I mean, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, you got kind of Zoom burnout, right? Like if I have to do another video call, I'm dead. But I think we adapt to that, right? And so now it's it's getting easier and easier. And um I, Andy, I wrote down what you said uh, at the end of the day, I'm a professional friend. I wrote that down. I was like, I love that. I think that that's how I feel. I love this industry and the people in it and having conversations like this and look forward to seeing people more in 2022 as the shows really do come back, even though yeah. spring show season is going to be a little yes. nuts, but that's okay. <laughs> well, I hope, back to back. Right, I, I, I hope that we can cross paths somewhere in the next, you know, several months, year, give or take, whatever it is. I always enjoy seeing you. Thank you again for the invitation to be here and have a chat with you. I've enjoyed myself thoroughly. Awesome. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing you soon.
Well, thank you very much. And hopefully I see you both at a show next year soon. Down on it, Michelle. For more Restoration Today, visit our website, cnrmagazine.com, or find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts.